Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. In Australia, all media outlets are equal, except some are more equal than others, which is to say, if you are a member of the mainstream media, the police will take a hands-off approach. But if you are a Rebel News reporter endeavoring to bring the other side of the story to viewers, well you may as well be wearing a jacket with a bullseye painted on the back. Just ask Avi Yamini. He joins me with yet another unbelievable encounter with Aussie law enforcement trying to shut him down. Say the crime rate in Little Bayside, Ontario must be, well, zero these days. You see, recently a grade 12 girl walked around her school with a sign imploring the authorities to let the kids get back into class And guess what happened next? Six, yes, six OPP police cruisers converged at the school, apparently deeming this gal to be the second coming of Typhoid Mary. Catherine Krasanowski has all the unbelievable details. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about Ontario Premier Doug Ford's brand new whiz-bang 11-year-old friend, Arthur, just one hitch. Does little Arthur actually exist? Alas, the vast majority of you believe Arthur is about as real as the Easter Bunny. Sad to see how Doug Ford's credibility is just taking a nosedive these days, eh? Those are your Rebels. Now let's round them up. On Friday night at about 8.30pm, police visited my home to hand deliver a letter from the Assistant Commissioner warning me not to attend any lockdown protests the following day. On your list tonight is Channel 7, 9 or 10. I uh, haven't gone through the entire list, mate. Do you mind looking at the list and letting us know? For I think Sorry, the, public, mate, the, public, the public would like to Excuse know me, mate, the public would like to know if you're going to Channel careful, 9 and mate. 10. Be careful. Yeah. Shame on you. 
Johnny Intimidate journalist. Obviously, I didn't complain. You can see my reports from that day so far at rebelnews.com.au. And make sure to sign up to yaminireport.com so I can send you the remaining reports over the next few days directly. But while I was out doing my job, I thought I'd take the opportunity to ask mainstream media journalists there if they'd received the same visit. Watch and share what happened. Hey, Don. I'm part of the communications team, just letting you know this is private property and okay. the filming zone is on... Where's all the media here at the moment? The Pebble. Um, yeah, oh, we'll go to that side. Yeah. Oh, thank you. What's going on, guys? You're not allowed to film here, they told us. You're allowed? Can I ask you, did, did Vic Pol visit you last night and warn you not to come here? I'm not saying anything, no. Did you get... Just a simple question. Did they, did they come to your house and warn you not to come? No? Why do, you think, why do you think that is? Why do you think they come to me and not to you? Nah. Channel, I, know, I don't know her, she might be good. I'm not saying there's anything bad, but that's the point. I just want to double check if they went to the mainstream media, but there's a reason. Uh, they obviously tow the government's line. They don't tell the other side of the story. She didn't get a visit last night from Victoria Police. I did. It's interesting though that they came to my house and not yours. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why is my st is my is my reporting so much more offensive than hers? <laughs> no, no, it's the same. It's the same. No, don't. That's offensive. <laughs> I do not work for SBS. I want. I distance myself from him. <laughs> but there was at least one commentator on a semi-mainstream network who, in my humble opinion, got it absolutely right. Avi Yemeni is a passionate young journalist for the YouTube Rebel News. He's been on Outsiders in the past. Arvi has covered the overreach of the police, of the Victorian police through all of Victoria's lockdowns. And I would argue that he not only has the right, but the professional duty to cover yesterday's demonstration. Arvi is a great journalist, a passionate free speech advocate. And let's be frank, he's a, he's a great showman as well. But he knows his rights. And he's not afraid to stand up to the excessive use of police authority. Safety officer, how are we doing today? How are we, Harvey? We're good. Well. This is a bit of a fizzle. I think we're going to have to get you to protest just to give us some action. <laughs> so what have we learned here today is that Victoria Police target specific journalists to intimidate. But at the end of the day, when you stand up, they don't follow through. I wasn't scared. I knew I had the law, the actual law on my side. And not one police officer tried to stop me here today. But they did last night, in the middle of the night, come to my house to issue me a warning from the commissioner. A warning that no other journalist here received. Welcome to the land of Oz, where all media outlets are equal, except some media outlets are more equal than others. Which is to say, if you are the mainstream media down under, the police will take a hands-off approach. But if you are a rebel news reporter endeavoring to bring the other side of the story to viewers, well, you may as well be wearing a jacket with a bullseye painted on the back. Unbelievable. And with more on this heaping helping of hypocrisy is our man in Melbourne, Avi Yamini. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Avi. G'day, how you going, mate? It's always a pleasure. And Avi, I got to tell you, you've been knocking it out of the park with your videos lately. But Avi, what we saw there in terms of what happened to you, I think was beyond egregious. Police officers going to your residence late at night 
essentially stating you are not allowed to practice journalism. Avi, who is behind this outrageous display of fear and intimidation tactics against you? Well, I just think you, I, you can't help but think that the government um, is using the police here as their own uh, kind of intimidation squad to silence anybody that's questioning um, their behaviour and what they're doing here at the moment and their response to um, the coronavirus. So I think it's command, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of police officers um, who don't want to be engaging in that sort of behaviour. You know, I hope you're right about that, Avi. And, but the way I see it is that when you see journalists, you specifically, uh, you know, focused on and told not to practice journalism. I mean, for goodness sakes, you're a journalist. That's your livelihood. To me, this is about an abuse of the process. Is it about abuse of authority? It's banana republic tactics. It's being politically motivated. It's not due to any laws being broken. It's not due to safety regulations. And I'm sorry, Avi, for a Western democracy like Australia, this is just wrong. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it, I think it was evident. You watched that video when they came to my eyes. You see the way that the police officers sped off in that car at the end. They knew what they were doing was wrong. I don't know if, um, because it seems like they had a list and that night they did uh, attend numerous, uh, a lot of residents. Um, there was another journalist who's an independent journalist who also received uh, that visit. Um, we were the only two journalists, no journalists from the mainstream media. I specifically went and uh, walked up to them and asked them uh, the following day when I did um, when I did attend the event, I was warned not to go to. And uh, police did nothing. They didn't follow through. But it, it, at the time when they were here, um, I'm not sure if they were just looking at the list and going, oh, this is the next address. And then they open the door and they go, oh, crap, this is where we're at again. <laughs> or uh, they knew what they were doing. Either way, it is absolutely wrong. Um, no media, doesn't matter left wing, left wing, right wing, doesn't matter what you are. If you're a journalist, if you're going to any of these sorts of events to cover them in the capacity of a journalist, they don't have to like your coverage, but they have to uphold your right to do it. Yeah, and you know, <clears throat> what's different about Australia, I mean, it's unheard of in North America, it's this idea of getting permits to go as a journalist to cover an event, and you jumped through all those hoops. I remember months ago, you got a permit to go to a, a protest, and you were actually gang-tackled by police, and there was, there was no reason for that. And, you know, Avi, can you take our viewers through this of what, what is the ostensible reason for this in, in th this level of control that journalists have to reach out to the state and actually get a permit to report? Well, there really isn't. That's the thing. And that's why we are in the Supreme Court here. We've, we've got um, a, a big case with numerous uh, different uh, events that happen, including the one that you're talking about. But it shouldn't be like that. There is no laws you know in all this period what is it, the last year and a half where i've either been arrested or intimidated or taken to the ground you know we've got at least six different um incidents which are in front of the supreme court it's uh, important to note that not once have i been charged not even not even ticketed uh, as some of the journalists in in canada like they have 
they haven't even had the evidence to be able to justify giving me a COVID fine, let alone tackling me to the ground. So it is very much intimidation. And when when those things happen, you know, when they come and visit your house, I think you would know because it's happened to you. Yep. Uh, it gets your adrenaline up and you're like, you know, you're at home just watching Netflix or, or whatever at night <laughs> relaxing. And when that happens and it, it, straight away, I, my inbox is flooded with people going, oh, you're right. I can't believe it. You know, I would be freaking out if they came to my house. It's become sort of something of a second nature to me. I'm getting used to it, to controlling that adrenaline when they do show up. But um, people realize that there's something very wrong when somebody who's committed no crimes, been given no, never been charged with anything and not even ticketed for these kinds of offenses, but still police feel like they have the right to come to his house to scare him out of telling the other side of the story, the side of the story that they don't want to, they don't want anyone to hear because it's interesting. If you watch some of the, um, the broadcast, especially if you're in Australia, people have noticed it. If you watch uh, the events that we cover and you watch it from the mainstream media, and I'll give you an example. The other day there was a a business protest in the city where um, a woman was, you know, a small business owner was pleading with police and it was very raw. It was heartfelt. You could, you could feel what she was saying and the mainstream media ran that. But then they suddenly cut it, and they were they were sympathetic to her. They, you know, they they recognised that what she was saying was powerful, and it was a powerful image of her, you know, calling out to the police. But they cut it right at the point where police engage her. It just as ten officers just ran into her and took her down. Oh. Why did they do that? That. That's called, I think, in this business, Avi, burying the lead, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, it just didn't suit their narrative. And that is, and, and that was the day that I was, you know, not allowed to be there to report. And if I hadn't been there, if I hadn't have gone um, that day and if I would have complied with the, the, with their intimidation tactic, which is all it was, they just were trying to intimidate me. They didn't actually have the law on their side. Remember, they came to deliver a a letter from the commissioner you know they said they're not here to charge me they're not here it's just a letter read the letter yourself and the letter is basically telling you do not go to the event if i hadn't have gone there well nobody would have really seen the end of that story nobody would have seen uh, you know the story of the father with his child in the car just eating breakfast Yes. and being surrounded by police. Nobody would have seen these stories. Nobody would have seen the other side of what happened that day. They would have just seen, they would have just seen um, what, the, uh, what the media portrayed as in a couple of uh, antagonistic protesters uh, antagonizing the police and being arrested. And, you know, they did include a couple of small business people having a couple of uh, sentences, sound bites that made a little bit of sense that you could be sympathetic to. But, nah, maybe not because look at them. They're next to these uh, antagonizers. That's the way they portrayed it when it absolutely was not that. 
I think you're right, Avi, to bring this full circle. That is why you've got a target on your back. You are bringing the other side of the story. You're not cutting when the story begins. You're actually showing it warts and all to the shame of the police there. And, uh, you know, as our boss likes to say about the mainstream media, uh, folks, the watchdogs have become lapdogs. Uh, they, they are not muckrakers. And you, my friend, are untamable. One last question. I'm sure you're getting to know a lot of these police officers by their first name, Abby. And I just want to know this. What do you think the split is in terms of those officers in Australia that are saying, you know what, mate, I didn't sign up for this. I, I, I'm, I never signed up to uh, trample law-abiding citizens just uh, making a democratic protest versus those officers who have bought into the idea of, you know what, this is for the health and well-being of our citizens and these people have to be charged and ticketed and arrested. What is the split out there, Avi? I don't, I don't necessarily think they even think that deeply about it. I don't think many of, I think very, a very small amount go, oh, we're doing this for health and safety. I think there's a, a, a big proportion that are saying, well, these are my orders and this is my job. Um, and the reason why I know that is because many of those that are enforcing it so strictly are walking around with a mask under their mouth or nose. So mm. they're obviously not that, and they're up in your face. So they're not, they're obviously not that scared of this this virus, especially where there's, 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 some of the enforcement is so hypocritical, you know, they're, they're busing um, uh, police officers from hundreds of kilometres away when uh, uh, citizens in this city weren't allowed to travel more than five kilometres hmm. alone. So um, I, I think that there's not many that do feel like they're um, enforcing it for the for the health side of it. There's a lot that are in, there are too many enforcing it because it's um, what they're being ordered. Anecdotally, I think uh, it's hard to say numbers. If I had to guess, well, 100% of command are doing it for the power trip. Um, the orders are absolutely um, the police institution loving their new powers. Mm. Um, but there are a lot of cops, you know, when I walk to these events, you say, you joke that I know them on, I know their first names. I don't actually know any of their first names really, but they all know mine. <laughs> and I get, I get a lot of, g'day, Avi, Avi, just stand back, Avi, Avi, you know, a lot of trying to work with me in the moment, on the ground, these days especially. Um, sometimes by cops that I'm a little bit surprised because I've, I, it's some of those cops that I feel are overreaching and overstepping. I see them trying to work with me. I guess it's probably a situation of not wanting to be uh, featured on any rebel news um, stories <laughs> as 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 one of those aggressors. Uh, but something also you said a minute ago that the the, the media have become the watchdog uh, the, uh, instead of the watchdogs, the lapdogs. And you're absolutely right because at that same event, instead of ca instead of capturing what happened, for example, that outrageous scene we saw where a father and a nice and I, I think everyone needs to watch that video because oh, yes. I think it, it 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 demonstrates everything that's wrong with the enforcement at the moment. But instead of the mainstream media who were there at the time, instead of them cap uh, capturing what happened. Um, taking, following that story that was unfolding in front of everyone's eyes. That's how I got it because I was there to capture the same event that 
I was not allowed to go to, that they were at it, but they were too busy reporting on the fact that I was disobeying these unlawful directions <laughs> by the commissioner, that they missed the actual story unfolding in front of our eyes that was actually outrageous. Um, Unbelievable. That, that's where we're at. Oh, yeah. well, well, Avi, yes, uh, and I would urge our viewers to watch that story of that father and son uh, in the SUV uh, getting arrested for God knows what. Um, it, it was outrageous. Avi, like I said, you're, you're hitting it out of the ballpark. That's a baseball reference. I would make a cricket reference if I understood the rules of cricket. But you know what I'm trying to say. You're doing a great job there. And thank, thank you, you so mate. much for joining me again, thank Avi. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. You got it. And that is Avi Yamini down under. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. She had posted some of the event on TikTok, and I mean, it, it had well over a million views. Uh, much of it was, but yeah, the hate was overwhelming at times. Was it directed at you guys? It was, it was directed at her personally. Um, they picked on her clothing, um, how she spoke, um, and some of it was certainly violent. Like, it, it was... As a mother, that must be terrifying. It was hard, just at the because it's just like this is my grade twelve daughter who just literally just wants to go back to school, and to think that she should have a death threat for that is seems a little over the top. A death threat. Yeah. Catherine Krasinowski here for Rebel News. I'm in Bayfield, Ontario today speaking with Christina McMichael, who was ticketed along with her daughter for. What can be described as a very, very small micro protest, a peaceful march of two people. I'm going to get Christina to explain what happened. So um, on the Friday, um, my daughter wanted to um, go for a walk basically in front of her high school and enjoy the sun that day. And as well, she wanted to carry a sign that said, back to school. Um, she was just feeling frustrated with the new imposed lockdown measures. And I had suggested to her that, you know, there are ways to handle frustration in positive ways. And she came up with the idea to, um, like I said, go for a walk and um, do it in front of her school with the sign just to say back to school, which was just basically um, a, a, a genuine uh, statement of how she was feeling. She wanted to go back to school. So um, I supported her in that decision and we talked about the possible uh, repercussions because of the stay at home order. And um, we decided that the risk of a fine, if it was misinterpreted as um, an unnecessary measure, um, was probably worth it. So I 
um, you know, like I said, supported her in her decision. And I attended with her that day because as a parent, I was concerned about, honestly, other kids, how they would um, react. Um, so you I mean, you mean her peers not being supportive yeah, and bullying just just realizing even in my own peer group there's a lot of social pressure um, to conform and um, I wasn't sure how that would have went for her so I wanted to be there for her and um, I joined her walking around on the sidewalk and um, within probably a matter of five minutes or so um, one police cruiser showed up um, and subsequently, five other ones showed up at that so time. So six police cruisers. Wow, the crime rate in Little Bayfield, Ontario must be zero these days if six, yes, half a dozen police cruisers converge at a school to break up a peaceful protest consisting of two people. Just imagine that dispatch call. Calling all cars, calling all cars. We've got a grade 12 girl pacing outside Bayfield Secondary. She's armed with a piece of Bristol board. Proceed with extreme caution. Emergency task force, please remain on standby. Give me a break. Just when you thought things couldn't get any more insane, along comes this story that quite frankly is beyond parody. And joining me now to try to make sense out of an insane situation is one of our newest rebel reporters. That would be Catherine Krozaniski. I probably massacred, <laughs> massacred your name, Catherine. But in any event, uh, forgive my speech impediment and welcome to Rebel Roundup. Thank you, David. Okay, here's the thing. Why, I mean, this story, if there was no video evidence, it would be hard to believe. Mm -hmm. Why were there six police cruisers dispatched for these two ladies? Why was there even one sent? So um, in the video, when I interviewed Christina, the mother of Megan, she said that they, uh, the mother, called the police liaison officer and gave them a heads up that they were going to have, well, her daughter was going to have a one-person solo protest. And I don't even know if she used the word protest, but she said she wants to go out and she wants to exercise her freedom of speech. She's going to do it here on this day just to let you know we want to do it safely. We don't want to get in any trouble. So the liaison officer said, okay. Oh. And then... So wait a minute. So what you're saying, the police gave it their blessing? Not their blessing. They just they just took the information. Okay. And I said, Where, did she try to dissuade you? She said, she was very polit like politically correct about it. She just said, okay, ma'am, like, as you know, there's a stay-at-home order, and she didn't say yes or no, go ahead or don't, but she just kind of took down the note, and that was the end of the conversation. So Christina, the mother, was under the impression that they were they were going to be fine and no one was going to show up, and her, to her dismay, she sees six cruisers, like the, the SUV style, not just the car, oh, six yeah. of them, lined up in front of the school and... and and officers approaching her daughter and giving her a ticket. It, it, it was astonishing. And when you see that officer saying, well, we're not going to discuss this. Well, of yeah. course you're not going to discuss it. Uh, you don't have any basis uh, for this. I mean, this is, to me, Catherine, is outright fear and intimidation mm -hmm. tactics against a grade 12 student. Yeah. And what I've learned from speaking with our Fight the Fines lawyers, mm -hmm. they say police have discretion. They are allowed to That's say, right. you know what, this does not need the, the cold hand of the law. This is not an, a situation that requires our presence. We can go. And they showed up to this one girl holding her sign and decided, you know what, no, 
this does need us. We need to be here. We need to find this and intimidate this poor young girl. It, you know, Catherine, to show how upside down the world is these days, I just can't help but think, here's a great 12th student with a sign imploring the authorities to let her go back to school. It used to be the opposite problem, yeah. people playing hooky. Oh, that right? was me. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you'd have the truancy officers yeah. out trying to find them. Yeah. Oh, this is a, a sin somehow, saying I want to get back yeah. to school? It wasn't even like she was carrying a sign that said COVID is a hoax or don't do this. She was not trying to give anyone any medical advice. She wasn't, there was no hate speech involved. It, the sign said back to school. Yeah. Very vague. And it was just her. It wasn't like she she posted on Facebook saying, come and join me, let's let's create havoc. It was nothing like that. But speaking of hate speech, and actually it's beyond hate speech, you told me off camera that in the aftermath, she actually received death threats. Yeah, so she, uh, uh, Megan, the daughter, she posted uh, the incident that her mom had filmed for her with all the police officers um, on TikTok. And she had an outpouring of support, of course, uh, but there were just as many haters and people were making fun of the way she looked, the way she spoke, and and sending death threats. And they weren't actionable death threats, like, I'm going to come kill, to kill you. So her mom said, like, there was no legal action they could take. It was more general, like, I hope you die. Uh, and, you know, think of the, first of all, I want to address the fact, the way she spoke, the way she looked, the way she dressed, there was nothing wrong, nothing whatsoever. No. Secondly, Catherine, the perverse irony here, um, of the people who b want you to stay at home in your basement eating cherry cheesecake all day. It's for your safety, mm -hmm. dear. You don't want to go out and get infected. So she does go outside and there's no tangible evidence showing somebody outside is going to get the uh, Wuhan virus. Certainly not when she's just with her mother too. Yeah, in their own you know social bubble, bubble yeah. so to speak. And yet their reaction is, I hope you die, but wait a minute. Aren't you advocating safety measures to prolong your life? This is making my head explode. This, this is the <laughs> the funniest part of this whole thing is that yeah. people are actively wishing death and specifically COVID-related death on people who are sick and tired of the lockdown. Oh yeah. It's like <laughs> this the, the lockdown is supposed to prevent death and now you're wishing death on people who are questioning that order. It's completely boggling. And you know, Catherine, uh, let me, you know, lead me through this. The, the whole idea of the police acting like they are is the stay at home order. Yet, as you very well know, last week, when Premier Doug Ford went looking for his new 11-year-old friend, potential future Premier evidently in cabinet material, he hopped in his pickup truck and buggered off to his house, mm -hmm. um, assuming uh, little Arthur actually exists, who knows. But the Premier admitted at a press conference, he broke the yep. stay-at-home order. Yep. So why aren't the Ontario Provincial Police at Doug Ford's uh, house with a summons. I would like to know that as well. It's like what you hear about, you know, in the old times when there's kings and they're just oh, doing yeah. whatever they want and let them eat cake and Marie Antoinette business. Like you are, you are reenacting those exact same prophecies that we've seen before yeah. where the, like you like to say, rules for thee, not for me. That, that's the only way I can square it. It's outright hypocrisy and you should be leading by example, mm -hmm. but apparently the laws don't uh, apply to the uh, the political elite. One last question, Catherine. Um, 
What is the, um, I guess, future stra uh, strategy for Megan? Is she going to continue and uh, have another protest, or is she going to cool it now? I mean, I, hopefully the haters haven't made her feel down about her exercising freedom of speech. Yeah, I asked um, her mother when I was speaking to her in person, uh, I asked her if she was proud of her daughter, and she said, yes, I am, yeah. but I'm also scared. It's a little bit nerve-wracking having all of this attention and negative attention be put on her. So I think uh, I asked her, you know, how does she feel about this? Is she scared? Is she emboldened? And she said she's more emboldened than ever. Mm -hmm. But I do think that the, um, Christine is a single mother and Megan's her only daughter. So I think she's being a little bit cautious and protective right now and saying, we've had a lot of attention. We're going to pull back a little bit. She's not going to stop fighting for freedom. Probably she's still making TikToks, et cetera. But I think that they're like, you know, the spotlight can be taken off of us for a minute and just yeah. enjoy a little bit of peace and quiet. But she she did say that her daughter, Megan, is feeling emboldened by this. I'm, but I'm she wants to be safe. I'm so. very happy to hear that. And it was a great piece, uh, Catherine. So thank, thank you, you so much for that. And for the police, the OPP officers out in Bayfield, really, there's no other crime in that town? Uh, do you really think that you are upholding your oath to serve and protect by doing that to a grade 12 girl? You should be ashamed of yourself. There are other uses for law enforcement other than trying to apply fear and intimidation to individuals who are just exercising their freedom of speech. Just egregious. Keep it here. More of Rubble Roundup to come right after this. Just before the Ontario legislature wrapped for summer recess, Premier Doug Ford ended a press conference with an anecdote that was somewhat charming and, in truth, equal parts surreal and bizarre. It was all about an 11-year-old boy named Arthur. Take it away, Premier. So I, I get a letter dropped off at my house. I get a lot of letters dropped off my uh, my house, and I read it, and it's from a, a young gentleman named Arthur. Um, are people really dropping off letters at Premier Ford's home all the time? I'm pretty sure there's a police car there 24-7. Wouldn't allowing people to put letters in the Ford mailbox be a security breach? People can put really nasty, harmful things in envelopes, after all. Continue. And they lived a few blocks away and real passionate. You know, th this is what kills me. I'd rather get drilled down by the reporters than sit and talk to these kids because it rips your heart out when you talk to them. So I took it upon myself to hop in my pickup. I drove over to the house and I didn't tell him I was coming. And he goes to uh, a French school and it was all written in French. Mother translated in English on the, the other side for me. So I went over and I knocked on the door and this little guy comes out and uh, I said, are you Arthur? And he said, no, I'm, I'm Marcus. I said, is your mom home? And he said, no, they're out in the back having dinner. Come with me. He, he was great. It was like a little butler. Fall, you know, uh, he, he put this mask on. I had my mask on. And uh, so we went in the, the backyard, the nicest family you could ever, ever meet. Um, at the time this occurred, folks, there was still a stay-at-home order in the province of Ontario. So yet again, is it one rule for me and one rule for thee? Continue. And, and it was so difficult. So I, I met Arthur and uh, I'll tell you, he's going to be the future uh, premier. I, I sat and asked him, I said, Arthur, this is a situation. I'm going to bring it to cabinet. I was very upfront with him, but I'm really concerned 
about putting all the kids in the classroom. Um, if you happen to be watching, Marcus, some advice here. If an unknown individual comes a calling, do not open the door to him and do not let him enter the house. Stranger danger. Now, in fairness, I cannot accuse Premier Ford of being a liar without evidence. But folks, does the little Arthur story pass your personal sniff test? It just seems so weird to me. So it was that I decided to venture out to ground zero for the story, Premier Ford's house. I thought I'd ask the man guarding his residence if he has seen little Arthur. And here's how that went. Hi, sir. I'm David Menzies with Rebel News. Can you get off the property, sir? Oh, okay then. Uh, just one thing. Um, we're looking for Arthur. And what is the protocol for dropping off letters to... Okay, if you have something to drop off, you can drop it off to whoever's here, security. Oh, like yourself? Yeah, and we can hand it in to the, uh, to the family or whoever it's for. Okay, fair enough. Uh, just one quick question. Does Arthur exist? Uh, I have no comment. I'm not here to comment on, on okay. a statement. Okay, very good. Thank have you. a good weekend. Too, okay. Well... <laughs> So I guess uh, uh, Doug, Ontario open for business, uh, Doug for the people, the very first things out of his security detail was get off the property. Normally I wouldn't come to a politician's house, but since this is part of the story, I thought it was uh, pertinent to do so. So uh, apparently if you do want uh, Doug Ford to read your letter, you got to drop it off uh, with the man right here who claims to be the security detail. And in the meantime, uh, well, we'll just cruise around the neighborhood. Arthur! 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 So what do you think, folks? Does little Arthur, a.k.a. Ontario's future premier, actually exist? Or is he about as real as a certain animated aardvark that goes by the same name? Only Premier Ford knows for certain, yet can we really, really trust Doug these days? I sure don't. In any event, you had plenty to say about Doug Ford's new buddy, Arthur, assuming Arthur actually exists, that is. Indomali Rajapaksi writes, OMG, so this is how Ontario is run? Uh, yes, this is how Ontario is run, my friend, and hey, it's running very nicely for Doug Ford. I mean, I understand his Deco Labels business, which has never closed down for a single day, is enjoying record sales. What well, with all the new signage that is needed for pandemic protocol. In fact, I think I'll put in an order for a billboard-sized sign myself. How does this grab you? Hey, little Arthur, please call Rebel News. We'd love to interview the future premier. Scotty28653 writes, Doug is hallucinating from eating too much cheesecake. Well, Scotty, I actually didn't know there were hallucinogenic properties in cherry cheesecake. And if that is indeed the case, maybe we need to sell this cheesecake stuff at Liquor Control Board of Ontario stores. MP writes, BS meter off the charts with this guy. 
Oh, I feel your pain, MP. In fact, my personal BS meter overheated and broke into pieces during the Arthur fable, or I mean story. Such a shame. It's so hard to find good BS meter parts these days, thanks to this darn pandemic. John Smith writes, could it be that Arthur is Harvey the rabbit's twin brother? Well, John, I was going to ask Linus for guidance on your query, but turns out the kid is already on the lookout for the great pumpkin and thus was unavailable for comment. And Rebel writes, OMG, David, I'm crying, laughing. You are the man. Arthur, Arthur, OMG, I'm dead. Well, thanks, Rebel. Oh, I was laughing during this assignment too, my friend. And, but believe me, inside, <laughs> inside I'm crying. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night. Good night.